0: Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone. Come on in to the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. He's Jim Garrity of National Review, also the author of Between Two Scorpions. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Jim, it's Transcript Wednesday, I guess. Uh, we are not going to be reading this verbatim. But we are going to look at some of the uh, more important things. The Good Martini is... Well, let's just say it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, if anyone was looking for a flat-out smoking gun of a quid pro quo, it's probably not here. So we can kind of see why the Trump administration was willing to release this. So let's get the good news out of the way first. What do you think?
1: This is not good.
0: <laughs> I, I think if we're looking for the
1: the uh, good martini version of this, uh, the, the best part is I don't see this leading to to use any of the metaphors of yesterday of the dam breaking and the the overflowing watersheds and and all that kind of stuff. I think people who support the president are going to continue to support the president. People who oppose the president are going to continue to oppose the president. This is something of a Rorschach test. You know, people are going to say, of course, this is obvious, a quid pro quo. And, you know, right after uh, Zelensky mentions the the Javelin anti-tank missiles that he wants, Trump does say, I would like you to do me a favor, uh, you know, which is which doesn't look good. I mean, you don't, have, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to get the sense that Trump wants something. One of the things that really bothers me about this, ironically, less than the Biden stuff, is that Trump and you go through this entire transcript. I don't know if Trump ever even mentions the fact that Russia is step by step trying to invade Ukraine. And that is the context of this phone call. And it's kind of fascinating about this. Is this has been going on since 2014. Russia is sending military forces. They've shot at and taken over uh, Ukrainian military vessels. They seized Crimea. Uh, this fight is still going on. I have a corner post, or, or maybe it's going to turn into a piece that I'll have talk about this. The, the war between Russia and Ukraine didn't go away. So Zelensky is not just some foreign leader. Zelensky is the leader of a country who's slowly being invaded by Russia and who is pretty much dependent upon the United States sending it things like uh, anti-tank missiles to slow down and impede that invasion as much as it possibly can. So what bugs me is that when this entire conversation, Trump's worried about the server from the DNC and CrowdStrike and he's worried about Biden and his you know, Trump is is really focused on all kinds of U.S. domestic political stuff and not the actual things going on in Ukraine, uh, which I think is a really myopic reflection of the president, which is bad. I I think that's indisputably bad. I don't think you impeach the president over this. And I think the Democrats are probably getting over their skis on this. But as soon as they announced it yesterday, Greg, uh, you know, they 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 had they were Cortez burning their ships. Um, There is no way to back down from this. If the entire transcript showed Zelensky and Trump playing patty cake, uh, they'd have to insist that it was a smoking gun and that fully justified (laughs) impeachment.
0: No, that's true. It's amazing uh, once the Democrats decided to do it, how quickly all the dominoes fell into place. We talked about the op-eds shortly after we finished recording. John Lewis was on the House floor. That was a dead giveaway that uh, everything was full steam ahead on this. Then Pelosi officially, as you point out today in the jolt, she's not at 218 yet or however many votes she'll need at that point, because if there's vacancies, you won't need quite that many, that uh, she's ultimately going to get there. She wouldn't do this if she didn't think she could get there. She's not going to see a conviction in the Senate most likely, but... uh, that's a whole nother issue, obviously. Jim, it's, it's fascinating to watch this. It starts with, hey, Vladimir uh, Zelensky, nice win. Very impressive. No, 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 Mr. President. Your win was far more impressive. <laughs> hey. Uh, Turns out we're doing a lot for Ukraine. Uh, Angela Merkel? Yeah, she's all talk, no action. Yeah, totally. No talk, no all talk, no action. So neither of them likes Merkel. And uh, then they start talking about missiles and javelins from the United States for defense purposes, as you said. Then the president gets into the issue... In a vague term, he talks about CrowdStrike, talks about Bob Mueller having an incompetent performance the day before. This is a conversation from July 25th. Uh, And then Zelensky goes into how he's going to have a new ambassador and it's going to be a better ambassador. And then Trump gets into the prosecutor, which I believe is the same prosecutor Biden uh, forced the Ukrainians to get rid of. And that also leads into Trump saying, hey, you need to talk to Rudy Giuliani. You also need to talk to Bill Barr. Justice Department says that hasn't happened and has no intention of making that happen. And then he gets to the Biden part. He says the other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, dot, dot, dot. It sounds horrible to me. So a lot of people on Twitter circling the ellipsis there saying, what are we still missing here? But, uh, Jim, even with what we've got, what are you seeing?
1: Well, the first thing is, Greg, there are many reasons I will never be president of the United States. (laughs) Um, But high among them is I don't know if I could stand. I don't like awkward small talk in life to begin with. (laughs) And it sounds like phone calls between the United States president and foreign leaders are almost entirely gushing, small talk and gushing praise. At one point, uh, Zelensky says, I, I just wanted to assure you once again that we have, you have nobody but friends around us. I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people. I also wanted to tell you that we are friends. We are great friends. And you, Mr. President, have friends in our country, so we continue our strategic partnership. Friends, 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 friends. Oh my God! I mean, I suppose you give credit to Zelensky knowing how to suck up to the president very effectively. Talks about how great his stay in the Trump Hotel was. You know, I saw somebody making the observation that this shows a bit about the, uh, the the complaints about the emulments clause and how this is you know Trump profiting from the president. Back when Trump was first facing this decision around the inauguration, there was an observation that you know this isn't like you put all your stock holdings into a blind trust. And then somebody else manages it for you, and you don't know what you're invested in. It's not like Trump's going to forget that he he owns Trump Hotel. <laughs> you know, it's it's this is kind of when you own real estate, it's a little bit more difficult to not know what your investments are and to not know all that kind of stuff. And in this case, yeah, we there have been studies that have been done about you know people have collated the data on the number of foreign governments that are booking Trump hotels ambassadors who are booking it, who, who you know, been foreign visitors, they stay in the Trump Hotel. They go out to Twitter and they talk about how great the Trump Hotel is. Look, do you think this is really about the financial profits of Trump? Or do you think this is really sucking up to him? Say, like, oh, Mr. President, your hotels are the best. Yes, they are. They're the greatest. You know, I don't like it. It's not good. But this was kind of baked in the cake when you elect a guy who owns a chain of hotels. Romney didn't win. But let's say we elected Marriott. Do you think foreign <laughs> leaders wouldn't be talking about how terrific Marriott was if they're trying to get a favor out of the president? So, this is where we are with this. If you're the president of the United States, one, you're really not supposed to be asking foreign leaders to investigate your political opponents, and two, I, I'm just you know it, it's, again, people are going to harp on the, uh, the the fact that Trump is is still obsessing about crowd strike in the 2016 election, and he thinks the Ukrainians are are. You know, Are behind all this and all that kind of stuff. I'm just, I'm bothered about the fact that that Russia just really doesn't even come up in this conversation, which is kind of baffling. Um, And when he talks about what the aid that's been given to uh, Ukraine in the past, he says, the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily, because things are happening that are not good, but the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. Why do you think we've been very, very good to Ukraine? Do you think we're just nice? Do think about, or do you think it's something to do with the fact that the Russian army's coming over the border? But this never comes up in the conversation, which I think is, oh yeah, for me, the most disturbing aspect of this, um, is that in the vacuum, this kind of conversation between an American president and a foreign leader, you could kind of shrug your hands and say, ah, you know, that's Trump being Trump. In this context, it suggests a president who simply isn't all that interested in what has to be the preeminent issue in U.S.-Ukrainian relations. Now, again, I don't know if that's something you 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 impeach the guy over. You know, being oblivious to really important issues is not necessarily an impeachable offense, or at least I don't think it counts as a high-crime misdemeanor, but uh, I guess we'll see how things go out from here, uh, Greg. Like I said, I think the course is set. I think the Democrats are going to do this in the House. I think it gets to the Senate, and I don't think there's a single Republican, maybe Romney, I don't know, uh, you know, votes for it. I don't see, and I, I don't know if he gets Joe Manchin on this. So, you know, you probably end up with a close to party line vote, but we'll eat up six months of the calendar dealing with all this stuff.
0: Jim, one of the things I'm noticing on right-leaning Twitter today is how some of these facts are coming together in a very different narrative than most people are directing this. For example, uh, Kimberly Strassel, uh, widely respected, certainly on the right, uh, columnist over at the Wall Street Journal. And she has a fairly extensive thread on Twitter today suggesting that this conversation really means that this is all directed back towards 2016. And because Bill Barr is looking into that, that's why he's referenced and he's bringing Rudy into this for a reason which we still don't quite know for sure since he's not at the doj but essentially everyone's been begging trump to really figure out what happened in 2016 so now he's supposedly doing it and everybody's upset with him for the way he's going about it does that hold water there's a bucket there it can hold some water
1: um (laughs) i think one of the things that jumps out about that is there's two separate issues the first is whether is it legitimate to have concerns about hunter biden his ser- being on the board of the Ukrainian gas company, and whether Vice President Biden was was right to tell the Ukrainians you got to fire that prosecutor, or we're going to withhold billion in a billion dollars in in a loan guarantee. I don't think you have to be a, a uh, MAGA head, you know, uh, uh, red hat wearing Trump supporter to look at that and say, okay, that emits an odor. Uh, one of the points I, I made in today's jolt is, you know, I mean, John Kerry could have done that, although apparently John, one of John Kerry's associates was on that same uh, Ukrainian board. Anybody, anybody else in the State Department, anybody else in the Obama administration, could have gone to uh, the Ukrainian government and said, hey, you guys got to get rid of this state prosecutor. And none of those other people would have had a son who was serving on the board of a Ukrainian gas company. They, they could have done that. That would not have been a difficult uh, decision to make. Instead, they managed to do it. And every time you listen, you, you listen to Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, they say, look, Hunter Biden never talks about his clients with his dad, the vice president. Trust us. I'm sorry. I don't trust you. <laughs> you. know that that's not good enough, you know, and you look at the it's I've, you know, said in previous podcasts, look at the entirety of Hunter Biden's career. Well, for what it's worth, I don't think you'd actually find that much there there in the Ukraine, simply because if you're the Ukrainian government right after Trump wins, why don't you investigate this stuff and start saying, oh, you know, uh, no, we did. Yeah, you know, we are reopening an investigation. Maybe there was something shady here. Uh, Just to suck up to the president, because as we've just seen from this phone call, Zelensky has no problem sucking up to this president. But I still think there's a lot of other stuff about Hunter Biden that emits an odor. and He looks like a very familiar character from American politics. The somewhat 'er ne'er-do-well troubled son of a famous politician who's never quite figured out what he's supposed to do in life. There's issues with the drugs. He had a very messy divorce. But also just these uh, associates who, when Biden gets Hunter Biden gets asked about it, he just says, "Oh, it's bad luck that they got indicted for bribery." It's funny how these people keep entering your life, Hunter Biden. It's almost like you attract people who want something from you, and who give you things like these giant diamond rings. And every time you think, "Oh, it's just a strange coincidence," um, I think the American people have very, every right in the world to get you know look at that and say that sticks. That is. Um, that's profiting off your family name. That's, that's you know, uh, if not outright bribery, then we're getting into the territory of bribery when people just start giving expensive gifts to the son of the vice president. Um, the explanation from the Obama State Department of, oh, Hunter Biden's a private citizen. He can do whatever he wants. Well, look, you know, if the world sees Hunter Biden as a backdoor way to influence Joe Biden, then Joe Biden needs to worry about that. Um, but having all that said, the president of the United States really it's not his job to investigate this stuff, or at least to say it's the job of Barr and it's the job of the Department of Justice to investigate this stuff. You don't have to send Rudy Giuliani to do this it's not the job of the president's lawyer to investigate this kind of stuff if there's my I have faith that if there's something there, the attorney general will find will find it, unlike some people who kept saying, oh, Jim, the Department of Justice is too partisan to be entrusted with something like this I'm like really who, who's running the place who's a deputy. <laughs> can't trust the FBI? Who appointed the FBI director? But what do I know,
0: Greg? Well, we do have some clarity, Jim, as we enter into our crazy martini (laughs) here. You think you see this story like, wow, how did we get here? Uh, We were just uh, thinking that the Mueller report was a dud. How did we suddenly get to all the Democrats on board with impeachment? Well, is it due to the whistleblower at the DNI? No. Is it due to the House Democrats uh, finally deciding to go forward with this? No. Is it uh, the media perhaps finally convincing people it was time to move in this direction? No. Evan McMullen." It's all Evan McMullen, at least according to this email that he sent out uh, yesterday evening, right after Nancy Pelosi announced the official inquiry. And uh, Stand Up Republic, his little uh, organization that he's uh, constantly soliciting donations for and doesn't actually accomplish anything, he's saying that's the whole reason we're here. A couple excerpts here. Stand Up Republic was one of the first national cross-partisan organizations to mobilize support for this step in response to repeated abuses of power by the president. Further down, we asked everyone every stand up republic member to join us in demanding that the house of representatives take a stand for the rule of law and open an impeachment inquiry you answered the call flooding your representatives with phone calls and emails already those efforts have paid off as several members of congress slowly gained the courage to do their duty Further on, they, meaning Democrats, finally understand why we cannot wait. Stand-Up Republic's national membership was essential in conveying that message to Congress. And we will be no less vocal in shaping the impeachment inquiry. And finally, of course, he ends with another pitch for money. And with your help, we will make sure Congress does its constitutional duty to the fullest. So, Jim, we are where we are only because Evan McMullen was on the case. I'm shocked by
1: this. Uh- <laughs> Greg. In part because I forgot Evan McMullen was alive. <laughs> and um, I, I just I can't believe Nancy Pelosi didn't mention it yesterday in her <laughs> statement that was covered live by all the networks. If all of this stems from Evan McMullen and all the fine, fine, high profile work that he's doing she really kind of snubbed him. Uh, I really should have given credit where it was due. And, you know, that I'm sure any minute now she'll be issuing a statement or rushing in front of the cameras to get and say, oh, I forgot to tell you, everybody. All of this is happening because of Evan McMullen, that guy who insisted that he was a consistent, conservative, principled man who was not simply running to sabotage Trump, who was not a man consumed with political ambitions and being a player on the political stage for a long time but who was merely standing on principle, who ran for president in 2016, got, how was it, 1%, 2% nationwide? <laughs> didn't, who didn't even swing the vote in Utah, his home state where you know everyone thought that because of the Mormons that there'd be a real shot at that. Didn't happen. And who then, as far as I can tell, I don't know if McMillan ever applauded anything Trump ever did, even though he assured us he was a consistent conservative. Couldn't find any judicial nominations. Couldn't find anything... No, not a single, not tax cuts, not, the, uh, not sending aid, military aid to Ukraine, not bombing Syria, not uh, regulations, right to try, first step back. Evan McMullen has not found anything good. Finally, his voice is what persuaded. You know how tough it is to get Democrats to want to impeach uh, a, a president like Trump, right, right Greg? <laughs> right, exactly. They're never doing that if, if Evan McMullen isn't out there twisting those arms.
0: Yes. And I don't know what he really needs the money for, since I think all he's doing is tweeting. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's not like people are taking a lot of meetings with Evan well, McMullen. He could be paying off his vendors from 2016, but apparently that's not on the priority list either. Evan, there are a lot of people who tweet for free. <laughs> a lot of people. Now We should point out that... Uh, Pretty much every email from any interest organization or PAC is similar to that in some way. If they ultimately get what they've been advocating for, they take full credit for it. But Evan McMullen, who is such, I don't even know what adjective to use here, Jim, but uh, a guy who portrayed himself in a certain way and was exactly the opposite of that, to now take credit for it is just uh, peak Evan McMullen.
1: Yeah, I think the sing- this is the single largest ludicrously exaggerated to unfounded claim of credit since Bill O'Reilly claimed that he'd lowered gas prices um, <laughs> by complaining about it on Fox News. But at least, at least on that one, you could kind of see the magic bullet Zapruder film ricochet conspiracy. Oh, you know, Bill O'Reilly's at 8 p.m. at Fox. He's got a big audience. Traditionally, the right, you know, Fox News is the somewhat more pro-business one. If they're hitting, if they're beating the populist drum on this one, we're in trouble. We'd better, I guess you could, if you squint and twist, it's, it's kind of like those magic eye pictures where if you look at it the right way, eventually a sailboat's supposed to appear. Or something. <laughs> I'm just not seeing how Evan McMullen made the Democrats decide to emerge.
0: He didn't. It's just a pitch for money. Welcome to Washington. Jim, have a good day. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review, Between Two Scorpions. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Join us again tomorrow for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch.